morning. You look great. Some of you must have come in after we got started. Like, whoa, look at this. This is great to see all of you here this morning. And happy Mother's Day. That was for last year. Happy Mother's Day. That's for this year. But I did just the biggest thing that was not fair was for moms to leave to not have their special Sunday. So we tried to make it up by having a big breakfast out there. And I don't know, I'm kind of encouraged that some of the kids were stuck there. So I think they put something on. But it was a fun time for us to uh, try our our wares in the kitchen. Uh, I had to do all mine while Brenda was not looking. So, uh, but she she thought I was doing okay. I showed her my plans, and she said that might work. No, she was very encouraging. She is the cook in our house. I can tell you that. But uh, this is a this kind of makes me feel like we're back to normal. I don't know if we'll get back to our old normal, but I'm so grateful for all of those who are keeping things going for War Rangers, for Impact, for you, for children. Nor we're blessed with so many workers and leaders, and uh, I, I just give so much appreciation to them this morning for helping us. Um, but here we are celebrating Mother's Day. Now, we served you breakfast late enough that you could go home and wait for the crowd to get out of the restaurants and take her out to eat. Middle of the afternoon. How's that? That'd be a great Mother's Day. I know some guys right now are really appreciating when I said that. But we have some great moms in this building. And um, for those like myself and others that are moms are now in heaven, it's still a special day. I told someone yesterday that any woman that has one child is a superhero. She's Wonder Woman. That, that superhero lady that they had a couple of movies about, she doesn't have anything on women who have children, who are moms. So I want to share with you a message this morning, and God made moms. I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 5. This is early in the history of mankind. Interesting because this this is after the fall, after all of the fallout from the fall, after they had to be kicked out of the Garden of Eden and, and a closure made so they could not go back into that beautiful place. There was a cost. But I want you to see how God deals with them post-fall and how this record kind of like elevates this thing about motherhood. This is Genesis 5 beginning in verse 1. This is written account, this is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. And somebody might ought to send that notice out to some certain leaders. He made them, created them male and female and blessed them. Isn't it interesting that after all of that, after all that happened, he still blessed them. He hadn't given up. And one of the songs about he's never let us down and he won't let you fall and he won't give up on us. He didn't give up on them and he blessed them. And he named them mankind because they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his likeness 
in his own image, and he named him Seth. And Seth was born, Adam li- after Seth was born, Adam lived, get this, 800 years. How about that? I ain't even made it to 80, and I, I don't know how much further after that I want to go. But 800 years. And had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. He was probably tired when that happened. I want to draw your attention to a couple of things. In verse 2, it says he created them male and female and blessed them. We really don't know what all that involved, but we think it had maybe something to do with them procreating. Because that's exactly what he says next. In in, um, verse, right after that, he says, and he had other, in verse 4, he had other sons and daughters. And if you go through that lineage of Jesus, the, the only names that appear are those that's in the line of Jesus' ancestry. None of these other sons, none of these other daughters are named. But after everyone in that list, that genealogical list, it says, and they had other sons and daughters. I wonder how massive that family tree became in a hurry. There's a special grace and a special calling and a special mystique to motherhood. We can only, as men, we can only look at it and admire it. We have no idea what that feels like. Because it's, a, it's all in their experience. A mother carrying a child in her womb, they're the only ones that know how that is. Nobody else, no, no man can say that. And they're the ones who have this fraternity of experience that is so unique. I'm going to share some thoughts with you on three things. That motherhood, that God made moms, and he made them to fulfill a call of serving. He made them to fulfill a call of teaching. And he made them to fulfill a call of praying. If you were blessed to have a a mom that did that, like my mom, you're without excuse. That's why... the parents I had, I have no excuses because they not only taught it, they lived it. And I'm really into genealogy. If anybody knows that, I've researched my family as far back, the Taylors, all the way back to Enon. The Lynn surname, L-E-N-N, I've traced it as back as I can get with, with information. I've also did a genealogical research on Brenda's family. I just love going to cemeteries. I know that's odd, quirky, but uh, I take a lot of pictures of tombstones and write down all of the information. But her paternal grandmother, Velma Tucker Sumrall, was one of 17 children, and she was a twin, which is why Brenda was worried when she got pregnant. And there was two sets of twins in that family, but James Warren and Ella Tucker had 17 children. Her maternal grandmother, Annie May Waltman Dykes, was one of 13 children to Moses Owen and Emma Waltman. But they don't hold a candle to the largest family in history. I did a little research on this, and it is, it is guaranteed by the genus world record website 
that what I'm about to tell you is true, even though you think I'm lying when I tell you what I'm going to tell you. But this is Mrs. Vasilyev, Theodore Vasilyev's wife, and we don't even know her first name, which is an injustice that needs to be corrected. They lived in Russia, a peasant family in the 1700s. She had her children between 1725 and 1765. You can do the math. You will never guess how many children this woman had. Never. I've asked people, and they undershot it completely. But I'll give you a couple of to go for it. 66. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong. I'm going to tell you where it's at. Anyone else? 38. 48. You were almost there. You were three short. 69 children. See, you think I'm making this up. I can look at you and you think, well, he's just lying to us. No, this is Guinness. I even had Shane to research it. (laughs) She had, and I, I like this. Let me just read it from the Guinness because I like what they said about pregnancy. It said, in 27 confinements, confinements, not pregnancies. I don't know why they said confinements, but it it is confining, right? It, It works. You are confined. This poor lady had 27 confinements pregnancy, and she gave birth, are you ready for this, to 16 pairs of twins. This gets better. <laughs> seven, seven sets of triplets. It gets even better. Four sets of quadruplets. You add them up in that 69 babies. I like this. I'm just going to read this from the website. Numerous contemporaneous sources exist which suggest which suggest that this seemingly improbable, statistically unlikely story is true. She is the woman with the most children authenticated because the monastery in Nikolsk in Russia recorded every single birth. Now, how many of you think is the second running on how many children? It'd be Mrs. Gervonta from Tuscany, 62. There's just something wrong with this. <laughs> I, I, uh, I just, and the reason I did that is I, I just wanted to think, uh, how, many, how many children is Adam and Eve lived that long? How many children did they have? They could have had a lot of kids. I don't even think they had that many. In fact, Josephus says that old tradition says they had 33 sons and 23 daughters. Here's a Russian lady that outdid them in like one-eighth period of time. That's Wonder Woman right there. That I, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I didn't expect that when I did this research. But motherhood, and, and you know the best thing about this, at some point in her life, 
some of those first ones were helpers and she needed all the help she could get so at least that was like the bright side of things is that she she had children and she had a whole array of people to help her that's a lot of pregnancy to go through isn't it i know the ladies out here that are moms whew, it's hard for you even think about that just go back to how motherhood is such a mysterious wonderful thing though if you just have one child or two children it is amazing the wonder and the majesty of having a baby for a mom motherhood is called to serve from the moment of pregnancy all that mom thinks about is what she does that affects the baby how she eats the activity she has the sleep she needs everything else and you might have had those kind of pregnancies that you just thought about surviving i've been up close and personal on two of those pregnancies just trying to get through it but pregnancy is kind of like a training for how to serve how to care how to love how to heal how to be patient all the while when the woman is trying to recover from the her own trauma of giving birth to a baby she's the resident doctor and nurse she's the one that senses when something's going wrong you know these people that had these children probably had midwives there was no hospital probably right there in their home and most of the children back before even my mom was born in, in, in the house that she was raised in that was not uncommon for mothers to have their children and yet the mother is up and about and taking care of the family and taking care of the home and taking care of the new baby and taking care of the other children it is utterly amazing the the whole idea of how a mom serves in the midst of being tired and fatigued short nights not getting rest and she still is serving proverbs 31 says this about that woman she sets about her work vigorously her arms are strong for her task in verse 27 she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness well idleness is over after you have a baby there's no idle time it's called work some of the hardest working people on the planet are moms they're working two and three jobs and that's all at home because they might even be working out of the home proverbs says this about she stays the course she does what she's supposed to do and verse 26 talks about her being a teacher that she is the one gifted to teach she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue she's the resident teacher in the house she teaches. i remember my mom telling me i'm the fourth of six kids so and i'm i'm i think i'm over being the baby the shortest amount of time of any of the six children because ruth bumped me out of the way after about 18 months but she uh she remembered she was teaching me how to hold water when i would go and get some water there was none of the juice or salt things there was all water and she would tell me to hold it and then i would walk up and say hold and she says you want water hold and she realized that i had identified the water as hold because that's what she told me hold 
And she says, no, 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 this is water. And she stops telling me, hold it, and I got water and substituted for hold. Even when she wasn't intending to teach me that water was hold, she was teaching me just by her own actions. My dad thought it was a good thing that he would keep all of our report cards from the first grade to the 12th grade, every single one of them. And I still have mine. There was other members of the family thought it would really be good for cleaning a fire in the fireplace. But I kept mine because mine was pretty decent. But I did not have a man teacher until I took math in the seventh grade. And even then, it was history and civics or government. I only had two, and I take that back. Dr. Ford was the Spanish teacher. But everybody else that I had as a teacher was a woman. It's almost as though in the elementary schools, I don't know what percentage there is of men, but I'm telling you this, women are gifted to teach children. They, it's, it's, they're made to do that. They, they're made to render understanding to a child if it's their own child or other children. They are the best teachers. I still have in my office a gift that my sixth grade teacher, Hazel Olive, gave me. And she wrote in the leaf of that little book how much she loved me and how much she enjoyed having me in her class. And down at the bottom, it was present 175 days, absent zero days. It was the perfect attendance. But she told me in that little book that she loved me and she enjoyed having me. I didn't need her to write that for me to know that. She exhibited that every single day. And that little book is Prayers for Boys. Written by a professor in 1925, not that old, it was printed in 1956. But I'm not going to tell you how many years that was going to take me. It wasn't that old of a book, but I'll just put it that way. But throughout that book is a prayer for everything, a prayer for anxiety, a prayer for my church, a prayer for my pastor, a prayer for my parents, a prayer for everything you can think about. And you pray, and when you read that prayer for pastor, at the end of it, and he says, and Lord, could you call me into the ministry? Help me to be an IT. I shook my head back. I looked at that again recently. I said, that's it. I messed up. But Hazel Olive was the ultimate teacher, and, and, and I just watched moms with their children that's constantly teaching. God created them to teach, to train, train up a child in the way they should go. Even in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when he talks about the Torah, the law of the Lord, the Lord your God is one, and he says, and these commandments that I give you today are on your heart, they should be in your hearts, impress them on your children. Who do you think was the primary person that did that? It was the mom. Impress these on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Who are more likely to be when the children go to bed and when the children get up? So uh, she's written all over that commandment. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses 
and on your gates. She is the ultimate teacher in the house. And the last is this. Motherhood is a call to prayer. She prays over her children. She prays over her marriage. She prays over her home, her family. God created moms. I'm telling you, they have antennas. They don't need informing. There's a lot of teenagers think somebody ratted them out. Uh-uh. Mom got it straight from God. So if you can tell a mom, she will tell a mom. Moms have these ones. We call it discernment. You have the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. One of them is the discerning of spirits. And I, I don't know. I just believe that if most of the women in this room, if you're a mom, took that test, you would score really high on discernment. Because there's a sense about a mom that she just knows, she senses when something is wrong. And why is that? Why did God create moms to do that? Because as a godly woman, she knows what it takes her sometimes. She gets on her face before God. She cries out to God. And, and the rich heritage that I have is hearing my mom back in her bedroom, on her face, crying out to God, praying in tongues, Asking God to protect my brother because she sensed that his life was in danger at that moment. And she didn't stop until God gave her peace about that. She knew something was going on with him and she was fighting for his life. And moms are made to fight for their children. Whether it's physically or spiritually, they will fight for their children. And God has gifted them to pray your prayers. Your prayers, moms, matter. And it doesn't matter if your child is one year old or 40 years of age. That does not change. They're still your son. They're still your daughter. And you still want what's best for them, right? You want them to follow God. You want them to serve the Lord. You want them to have a heart after God. And you won't give up. You won't give up until they come to the Lord. And my mom was all in for trying to get my brother saved. She even set him up in heaven. They had their first baby, and she says, you need to dedicate that to your brother. But it was an ambush. She had him ready at the church for that baby dedication, and he went in the back to talk to my brother about salvation. He went down and prayed. He left the building, and he told all of me, every bit of that was mine. I only did it to keep the ambush. And this is my mom. I mean, talk about zealous about getting people saved here. Okay, back to work. <laughs> she, did, she didn't cry. She didn't like flinch. And he was mad. He was red in the face telling her all this. And after he got through, she said, well, I guess you can get saved tonight. Okay. And I believe that old boy got so miserable because she just hammered his name before heaven that God would not give him rest until he had an encounter with the Lord. And you got glory for that baby. I want to say to you, mom, friends, I want to tell you, God listens to your prayers. And God listens to your moms, the moms that are here. He listens to your prayers. He attends to your prayers. Keep praying. 
if things are not going right with your family, keep praying. Don't ever stop that. Don't ever feel like it's, it's not working. Be like Daddy Daniel Lane. Back to work. Back to intercession. I want to mention a couple. Some of you might have followed their journey on Facebook. Doug and Kristen Morris. I did their funeral procession. I did their wedding. And she just, she just really came across me with a strong confidence. Strong strong faith back there. So I encourage that in both of you. Man, if there's a first little boy, Jackson, born with a terrible mouth disease or whatever that lends itself to sometimes hurting your feelings. Just a couple of days ago, we had a 45-minute procession that they rushed into the ER and opened it. These older ladies, and we were feeling so blessed, we put out this call for prayer. Praying for Shelby, praying for the breast cancer clinic, praying for Bertha Kelly for healing from her fall injury, but praying for Brent Newman who really needs a miracle. He needs it from every day. You might be standing in front of your person eyeball to eyeball and you say, Brother Jackson, I'm going to go and baptize. You can really throw in the towel and walk away. But God's not Surrender that uncertainty to Him. Surrender, surrender the disappointments to Him. If you feel like He didn't come through for you and you just kind of are carrying this resentment of God let you down, surrender that to Him. Give Him your heart, even though you don't even know if you're maybe doing it by faith or not, but you know there's a need for a change in your life. Nobody needs to tell you that. You already know that. God, there needs to be something. Something's not right here. And you just need to do something in my heart, in my mind. I just don't feel like I'm where I should be. And some of you in this room know what I'm talking about. And most of us in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. Because we've been there. We've been there when we question the presence of God. And we wondered, where are you? Because we couldn't feel him or we just we just at a point of desperation and it didn't feel like it was turning out right. Would you bow your heads with me this morning and just think about, Lord, I, I need to surrender the pain of my soul, the pain of my heart, the, re, the disappointments.
in my life. Things haven't worked out at, at all, Lord. That might be your, the words that's in your heart and in your mind. It just hasn't worked out, Lord. And you may be watching virtually. And that's exactly where you're at. You're just at a crossroads where you just don't see any direction that's going to help you. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. Look to Him. Raise your eyes to heaven. And tell Him, Lord, I'm giving you all the mess and all the disappointments and all of my pain. Help me. Heal me. Renew me. Change me. Lord, we've sung about you've changed our heart and you've redirected our lives and we can only give you the credit for who we are spiritually for this place that we feel that you're walking life with us and we're in a good place but there's not everybody's in a good place Lord they need to be ushered into your chamber into your presence so sir if that's you I, I just implore you to commit it your heart to the Lord, give him everything, whatever part of life you have, how many ever years you have, give that to him, give him starting today on this Mother's Day of 2021, Lord, I'm going to give you today, and whatever you allow me to live, I'm going to give all of my future to you, I'm going to start today, while is in the present tense, I'm going to give my heart to you, my life to you, my disappointments, and watch what he what you put in his hands watch how he will heal your soul and heal your mind and heal your body and he will then bless you and as we sing this if you want to come and just kneel at the front of the school and say Lord here's, here's all my disappointments I lay it at this altar I don't want to live burdened down with regret disappointments. I, I want to come. I want to be alive. I want to live in hope and peace. If you'll just step out to where you're standing and come and stand and kneel here and just lay it before him.